hi. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of Disrupting Education. I'm Megan Nix, a project-based learning coach and fifth and sixth grade teacher from Michigan. It's been a little while since um, I popped on and recorded one of these, but there are some things that I think are probably on a lot of teachers' minds right now that I wanted to just take some time to reflect on and address a little bit. So this episode is lessons I learned during distance learning that will impact my teaching forever. Um, At the beginning of my teaching career, I never would have guessed or even envisioned a school year that looks like this one. And I know that I'm not alone in that. distance learning and response to COVID-19 came with countless struggles for teachers and schools and for families and children and students and our world as a whole. Um, And it wasn't easy. But as the school year has wrapped up now, I find myself thinking about all of the good that came from this experience and some of the things that Uh, I have come to realize about teaching and about my students that I hope to um, never let go of and some habits that I hope to continue to build upon. So these are um, five lessons really that I feel like are sticking out in my brain. And as we go into the summer and look ahead to a fall filled with continued unknowns, Um, There are some things that I want to continue to get into and not forget that I learned during this time. So the first is something that I I know we're all seeing and hearing everywhere, and that is relationships first. This isn't new information and not something that I would say that I learned during this time, but I will say that the power of having relationship with your students became so much more important and so much more obvious during this time when you don't get to be face-to-face with them every day. It's your relationship with them that keeps you connected. Um, To me, that is going to require a lot of critical thinking and looking and digging at how do we build relationships with students when school starts in the fall. As As we have new students coming, it's one of the top things on my mind right now, thinking about what can be done to build relationships with students right away in the fall. Um, And if we're still in a distance learning or virtual teaching model, how do we build relationships and get to know our students and more importantly, let them get to know us as people and not just as their teachers, but as a person who is rooting for them and who's on their team and who wants nothing but the best for them. How do we communicate that and let our students get to know that about us um, when we don't get to see them face to face? That's something I don't have an answer to right now, Um, but it's top of my mind because it's one of the biggest lessons I learned during this time is the importance of relationships. I also think that it's not just relationships with the students, but it's relationships with their parents and their families as well. Um, I've always thought of parents as teammates on the education journey with their students and wanted to work together with them. But in reality, up until this point, it was always separate. They, I knew I needed a relationship with parents because I wanted to be a trusted adult in their kid's life, and I wanted them to be comfortable with trusting their student with me every day um, and to know that I cared about their student, their child deeply and wanted what's best for them and wanted the best education possible for them, which was all very important. But when we switched to all of a sudden more work 
was happening at home and not happening at school, I realized how how incredibly important my relationship with parents were was because no longer was it bring your child to me and I will take care of their education, but I had to be so much more open with parents about what we were doing and what the work was that we were doing and why we were doing it and the purpose behind it in a way that I've never had to do before so that parents could understand um, what their child was working on, could understand how I was working to support their child, and could understand what their role could be. Um, there were times where I would get messages from parents during our time in distance learning, and they would say things like, we're struggling here, we're trying to do our best, but I'm not a very good teacher. And I always responded in some way, shape, or form with, that's okay, you're not supposed to be their teacher. <laughs> you're supposed to be their parent, and and I'm supposed to be their teacher. And it took some work for us to figure out what that relationship was. And thinking ahead to the next school year in the fall, whether we're in person or not, I want to make sure that I'm building the relationship with parents and families just as much as I'm building the relationship with students so that they can continue to feel like their role is to be parent first and and to think about their child in that regards first. But I also want them to know what that means that my role as their teacher is and how our roles are so important and can work together for their child. Um, so relationships and building those and, and getting to know students and their families became so much more important during this time. And I hope that I continue with some of that mindset in the fall and in, in future school years that I want to focus on that first right away for students and families more so than I ever have in the past. Um, the second lesson that I hope to never forget from this time is that empowerment is critical. Um, my students who already own their learning and felt confident in taking control of their learning excelled during this time. And you could see a discrepancy in how quickly students jumped in to distance learning and what we were offering and continuing with project-based learning but working from home. Um, I knew which students already felt empowered to own their learning and which ones I hadn't developed that in yet. And it became really obvious that one of the first things that needed to be focused on for our students is helping them to realize how absolutely amazing they are and empowering them to take ownership of their own learning and realizing that they can find answers to things. Um, I work in a school that that has always been well, always, that in the last five or six years has been incredibly focused on growing as a project-based learning school. And our mission is really to empower our students to be the builders of their own future and to own their own learning. So I was already doing so much work with that in my classroom and in classrooms across our building. And the move to distance learning just really pointed out how incredibly important empowering students and building independent learning skills for them is because they are growing up in a world where, you know, people coin the term, you can Google anything and <laughs> answers are available right at their fingertips. But if our students are not empowered to go and find answers to questions that they have on their own, then it doesn't matter that everything's available right at their fingertips. So distance learning really helped me to realize how incredibly important it is to let our students know that they can, they can do impossible things. They can find answers to what they want. They can follow their own learning path and look into things they're curious about. And they don't need 
permission um, and they don't need an adult right there telling them exactly how to do it, that they can try and they can make mistakes and they can, they can figure things out. So as I think about starting school in the fall and building relationships with my students, a lot of the activities and first weeks of school kinds of things and just classroom culture stuff that I'm thinking about and really looking into right now has to do with building up our students as leaders and not just leaders within the classroom, but leaders of their own learning too, and teaching them critical skills that are going to help them feel confident and empowered to take charge of their own learning. The third thing that I have really taken away from our time during distance learning is just the power of flipped instruction. I'd like to believe that I have always been a teacher who has embraced uh, technology in my classroom and has enjoyed teaching my students how to reach a global audience through the power of technology and the way that it allows us to move outside of our classroom walls really easily. Um, but I learned so much during this time about the power of recording a video lesson and having it there for students to access whenever they need it. Uh, the power of taking a slideshow and a lesson that you've done as a class and making it available online through your Google Classroom or an online classroom platform so students can go back to it when they need to. I had countless experiences during uh, the 13 weeks that my class was doing distance learning where students would say to me, I went back and watched that lesson that we did, or I looked at the slideshow on this topic and it really helped me. And they because we were so focused on being digital and using those digital tools, my students very quickly learned that that they could go back and look at something that I had sent to them. And some of them were even going back and doing that with lessons we had done while in the classroom that were still archived in our Google Classroom. So I feel like there's a lot of power in flipping your instruction and spending more of your classroom time letting students dig into things independently and be the ones to ask questions and go find answers. But flipped instruction is a way that allows you to anticipate what those questions are going to be and have the answers ready to be at their fingertips without having to spend 15, 20 minutes doing a mini lesson and a whole group thing, but really letting them ask some questions and then sending them and guiding them towards the answers and letting them take that ownership is, is answering the empowerment question and teaching them how to take ownership of their learning and how to find answers for themselves. But it also is an amazing way to, to have more time to individualize for students, to have more time to, to reach them at the level they're at and to do small group things. When the instruction's been flipped around and you've pre-recorded something, it's going to save classroom time and it's going to make things so much more accessible to students. With that, I um, many times during distance learning thought about learning that I've done around the SAMR model and that acronym that talks about how you're using technology and moving away from just using it as a worksheet substitution to really using it to revolutionize what students are doing. And some of the projects and work that my students did during this 13 weeks was really an experiment on my part into what was possible with technology and some of those things and tricks that I've learned will stick with me from here on out in thinking about not just using technology in my classroom because we can use Google Classroom and things can be archived and it's so easy to send work to students and it, and it 
lessens the time that I spend giving them feedback. And all of those things are great and making our work more efficient and allowing me more time with my students face to face. But um, I could be doing so much more in utilizing technology to really modify and kind of redesign what learning is really possible. Um, The fact that my fifth and sixth graders were able to continue with project-based learning, to continue with asking inquiry questions and letting their curiosity drive what we were doing, and to continue reaching audiences and coming up with ideas and things to better our local community and our world just really helped me to realize that technology can be utilized in such a deep and rich way. And I want to continue focusing on that more, even when we get back to -to face-to-face instruction, but using it to be something that revolutionizes what we're learning. The fourth lesson that I hope to never forget from distance learning is that students deserve feedback. If you've listened to any of my past podcast episodes, you know that I feel very passionately about feedback over grades and the power in in telling students exactly where they're at and helping them to see where they could go and meeting them um, right where they are to continue moving their learning forward as opposed to offering grades on things at the end and after they finished. I have a lot of feelings about how important it is to give students feedback. So the fact that during distance learning, I learn even more about that um, is really exciting to me. It's like I said, there are some pros to this time that we just went through. And for me, this is one of them. I have always felt that feedback is the best way to continue moving learning forward. Um, I, as soon as I started reading and researching and learning about all of the the incredibly intelligent people out there doing work around feedback and the going gradeless movement, I was sold. It didn't take much to get me to buy in because I can see how quickly stamping a grade or a number on a paper shuts a student down and stops the learning right there. So there's never been a question for me about how important it is to give students feedback throughout the learning process. What I didn't realize before time during distance learning is just how much it's not only best for students, but how they really deserve to receive that feedback. Um, Our students work hard, regardless of whether you're in a classroom that gives grades or focuses on feedback. Your students are working incredibly hard for you every single day. And during distance learning, they were working three times as hard because they were learning new skills and they were having to figure out how to do it from home. Some of them with very little support. Um, And so I realized that when every single thing, every single piece of work that my students sent and submitted to me had taken a lot of effort on their part, and I owe it to them to put just as much effort into responding to it for them is really what it comes down to for me. Um, They deserve more than just good job or thank you for doing this or just, hey, you did it. Nobody wants to work really hard on something and then have it feel like it was given just a flip response or just be praised on it. They want to hear what they did well. They want to hear how they could improve. Um, And so if your students are putting in the effort to do work for you, you should be putting in the effort to give them feedback on that because they deserve it. They've worked hard for it. Um, I think that's true of all humans and people, um, even teachers deserve more feedback, I think, than what we actually get, Um, more than just praise or more than just end of year evaluations. But pointing out to people 
what they've done well and helping them to see how they can continue to grow and be even better is one of the greatest gifts that you can give them. So when it comes to our students and during our time of distance learning, I realized that they were working incredibly hard to figure out how to make this work and how to put in their best effort and continue to own their learning and grow. And so they deserved for me to be putting in just as much work and effort to figure out how to give them timely feedback, how to be effective with that, and how to keep our lines of communication open, even though I couldn't see them face-to-face or even um, all at the same time. But asynchronous meetings and feedback and video lessons and those kinds of things to them became so much more important during this time. And I hope that I never forget that my students are working incredibly hard for me and I'm going to continue to work incredibly hard for them. The last lesson that I'm really hoping to not forget and have visions of how things are going to change and look different in my classroom in the fall and as soon as we get back to in-person instruction is that less is more. Um, And with that comes a great need for flexibility. There's a lot of work being done in the world of education right now around the idea of student voice and choice and empowering our learning learners and our empowering our students by letting them have more of a say in what they're learning and letting them dig into things they're passionate and curious about and letting them have choice in how they're learning things and what they're doing with their new knowledge. And so with that comes an a really large need for flexibility within the classroom. And I realized during our time of distance learning that even in my classroom where I had embraced project-based learning, where I had embraced subject integration and um, and purpose behind our learning and what we were doing, I was still trying to do too much. I was still trying to squeeze too much into our six-hour school day and not giving my students time to really dig deeply into what we were doing and to even have time to ask and dig into questions. I I embrace inquiry-based practices and I want my students to ask questions and be the ones to guide our learning. But too often in the classroom, we were getting to a point that they were starting to ask questions and all of a sudden the clock said, oh, it's this time we're supposed to be switching to this and, and it would just turn off for the day. And I think about times when We squeezed in 15 minutes for writing and it would take us three weeks to write an informational essay because we were doing it 15 minutes a day. That's all that our schedule allowed. And um, I almost think it's laughable now when I look back at myself a year ago and I wanted to say, why did you do that? (laughs) Um, We're trying so hard to fit so much into a day that we end up drawing things out for so long. And during distance learning at my school, we continued project-based learning. And our goal was for our students to be working on one project at a time and for it to be integrated uh, with several subject areas. And it was powerful. It was incredibly powerful. It started because of thinking about working from home and not wanting to give students six hours worth of work to do from home because that's not that wasn't right during this time. It's not really feasible. And it's not really what it looks like at school either. If you think about it, we don't really spend six full hours working on schoolwork. There's so much transition and social time and, um, and those things in there. So when we made our plan, we said, we're going to just focus on this. We're going to not overload families and overload students. And what ended up coming from it was actually very powerful because I saw my students able to really dig deeply into the topics that we were covering and the content that we were learning, and then in turn dig really deeply into 
what they wanted to do with that knowledge and their solutions to problems within our community and their decisions about how they would communicate their new learning. Um, we, we recorded podcasts, we made commercials, they wrote essays. Um, all of these things happen in those 13 weeks on different topics and across three different projects. And I realized really quickly that this is what my students needed. They needed to be able to focus on one project and one goal at a time so that they could dig really deeply into it. So for me, moving into the fall, virtual or in-person or any hybrid in-between, um, that's going to stay. I gone are my days of literacy from this time to this time, and then writing from this time to this time, and math from this time to this time, and and then PBL work for an hour a day. I don't, I don't want to micromanage their time like that anymore. I want to empower them to own their learning, and I want to give them the time to do it and dig in. So, I hope that instead of PBL units that are written for a six-week time period because we work on them an hour a day, I am able to look at PBL units that are written for a two- or three-week time period because we immerse ourselves in those projects and that learning during that time um, for our entire day. Instead of trying to squeeze in little bits of everything, let's take deeper dives into into content and into topics and let it take less time because what's going to come from that is instead of six weeks with 30 minutes of writing here and an hour of PBL work here and an hour of this math unit here, we're going to spend two or three weeks really digging into each one. And in six weeks, we're still going to cover the same things, the same content, the same work, the same assignments, whatever it is, but it's not all going to be done at this like feels like lightning speed pace. And it's not going to be done in little increments that has me telling the students they have to stop just as they're starting to dig in. Um, I want to give, I want to give them time. And so that for me is one of the biggest lessons and takeaways from our time in distance learning is that less at one time is more. Um, and less is going to let us dig in deeper and have richer learning and more empowered students. So thank you for joining me today as I uh, reflected and shared with you a little bit of my own learning and growing during distance learning and things that I hope are going to continue impacting my teaching forever. And I hope that you were able to take some nuggets from this and are starting to do some of your own thinking and questioning. Thank you for tuning in. This has been Disrupting Education with Megan Nix. Thank you.